1: Ray Parkinson, and this is the Two Shot Podcast. Pop the kettle on, and grab your seat. You sit comfortably, then let's dive in. Oh, hello. Yes. We're here. It's episode three of season 10 of the Two Shot Podcast. Um, Just before we kick off, uh, I'm recording this intro in a hotel in West London, and I'm sorry if, um, sonically, it's not as pleasing as normal. I'm having a few tech issues, and of course, I'm flying solo, and, you know, the main man, producer Griff, isn't here to sort things out. So... If it isn't the best, then I apologise. But i tell you what is fantastic. It's episode three of the Two Shot Podcast with James Smith from Yard Act. Um, do you know Yard Act? Just, just pause this for a few minutes. Go search him out, however you listen to your music... Put in Yard Act, and to say Spotify, because that's what I do. Um, put in Yard Act, listen to a few of their songs, and then come back, or or don't. You know what? Listen to this episode with James Smith, who is um, the lead singer of Yard Act. Uh, you're going to love it. He is... We'd never met before, so I went to Leeds to meet him the day before we both pushed off to Glastonbury. Um, and we met up in Leeds in the sunshine, alfresco. Griff was there, which was brilliant. Um, and we got down to it. He's good company, very good company. Um, I kind of went, Oh yeah, I think we're going to be mates, aren't we? And 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 yeah, we just sort of both felt like that. Um, and met up in Glastonbury on the Saturday uh, at that gig. At that gig, if you were there in Glastonbury, Yard Act made two. Well, they debuted on the Friday. And then pushed another gig on Saturday. I was there, Williams Green, at 6.25 on the Friday. And talk about a band coming out for their debut, Glastonbury, and grabbing the audience by the scruff of the neck and just telling everybody who they are. It was brilliant, intelligent, funny. Everybody was just on the feet. I was... Th- there was security guards at the back who I don't think knew who the band were and they were just completely into it. So massive congratulations to Yard Act for their Glastonbury debut because it was just fantastic. Um, you're going to know more about Yard Act, about James, about who he is, about what he represents after this interview. Interview talking about it's just a natter and it was brilliant I'm a huge fan of Yard Act Um, their debut EP was brilliant their debut album has been uh, put in there was a a piece in the Guardian a few weeks ago saying it's one of the top 20 albums of the year so far I think it will make my list I think it will make everybody's list um they're touring at the moment, they're supporting, they've just supported Jack White after Glastonbury, they're everywhere, go seek them, hunt them down, their live act is just brilliant, I mean, you're not gonna, you know, you'll pause, catch your breath, and go straight back in, they're brilliant, they're fantastic, Um, and James was an absolute joy, really lovely conversation, um, we did like an hour and a half I think we could have done a lot more I do love it and it doesn't happen a lot but when it does yeah I do love it when someone who I'm talking to asks me a question or asks me my opinion or thought or viewpoint on a certain topic or subject of what we're talking to and James does this a few times um so much so that I have to stop and think. I don't want to dive straight in with an answer. Um, but you'll hear it. It's great. I've been waffling far too long. This is episode three of season 10 of the Two Shot Podcast with Yardaxe frontman, the brilliant James Smith. Enjoy. I'll see you at the end. Maybe listen to this out in the garden in the sunshine because that's where we were. See you in a bit. Have you been to Glastonbury before? No. This is my first time. My it's first, first time. Quite,
0: is it your first yeah, time as
1: I've well? F- course. every time in the summer, because when you're acting, people don't acknowledge that you're a dad, or there's summer holidays, or there's half-term. So I've just got to take the work when it is. And yeah, yeah. every summer, pretty much, I would have maybe a week off. And it's never been the time that Glastonbury's... Right. Uh, been free for me to go yeah. to, but this time it's like, oh, I've got two weeks off.
0: Have you had like rolled over tickets then, or have you? Uh, have no, you, you snuck no, in, I just sort of got a friend made and some, made some, some of, calls, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm so I'm going to as we're recording this, I'm going tomorrow, but I'm gonna set off like five o'clock in the morning, yeah. Why? Well, because it's that bloody train strike as well, which is just gonna Are you I'm, driving, or yeah, 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 yeah. but um. The thing is i 've got to leave on Sunday because I start filming a new job on the Monday. really've so got on to really Sunday as well take it nice are you, are you looking forward to it are you, gonna, are you, you have a bit as you know you 're playing twice aren 't you
0: yeah 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 we're doing we're doing, we're doing two uh, well there was a few more potential ones, but we 've decided to just make the most of being there and have a nice time so my wife 's coming I've got i 've got a kid and we 're dumping him on his grandma. So it's the first time me and her have been away without him because he's only young, isn't it? He? Yeah, he's just turned one. Right. So like we're gonna cut loose. Got all the band, all their partners are coming, and our crew and like other mates and management who are, who are mates. Like they're all coming down and uh, just gonna make the most of it, really. So you're
1: gonna see, you're gonna see it both sides. You're gonna see it as an artist, and you're gonna see it as a punter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Gonna, uh, gonna, yeah, get stuck in.
1: What do you think that... Do you have any sort of preconceived ideas about what the Glastonbury audience is going to be like? Um, When you're on stage?
0: I don't know, because I watch it on telly when it's on. Yeah. And I always enjoy it on telly. Uh, And I don't know, like, I kind of love and hate festivals in, you know... I I do know what you mean, yeah. um, Funnily enough, I I like... uh, I... uh, desire and appreciate a large crowd in front of me, uh, but I don't like crowds. (laughs) So I kind of like standing near the back
1: uh,
0: and sort of watching with space rather than getting stuck in. Mm. Uh, I used to when I was younger, so I don't know when that changed. When I was a teenager, I used to always be in mosh pits and that and crowd surfing. I
1: remember one of my first gigs and I was right at the front of Ned's Atomic Dustbin in Preston. Nice, cool. And I, and I had, uh, I don't know whose t shirt, I had a band t shirt on it, wasn't them. But I remember I was right up against the barrier and it's yeah, pressed yeah. on my chest. And forever after that gig, it just had a line there through the band t shirt. Right, yeah, was so, yeah, yeah. So much press at the front. But yeah. now, I thought, man, I'm 46. I don't want to be, what if I need to go for a wee? What am I going to do?
0: I need to uh, yeah. be at the back and get out. Well, yeah, You used to be able to hold it in. <laughs> not anymore. No. And then I used to be comfortable just doing it in a bottle. And now, now I need to be here, you know, space and access to toilets. Clean toilet, that. Yeah. We're not going to see much of that, are we? really, to be honest. Do you know what, like, as well, I always remember that. Like, I used to stand, used to get, used to go to gigs from the age of, like, sort of 13, 14 on my own in Manchester. Yeah. And, like, you'd, you'd queue for the doors and you'd be in the top, the first thirty people to get into the academy, and you'd run and you'd stand at the barrier, and then nothing had happened for forty-five minutes, and then three other bands were playing. You'd stand through them all, and then you'd watch the headliner play, and you'd have been there for four hours, crushed without having a single drink, yeah, or any any substances or any or needing a toilet break, and you were. It was the happiest. I was probably happier then than I've ever been since consuming performances and music, and I didn't need anything else, whereas now I'm, yeah, I struggle not to go to the bar within a set. Yeah, it all states at the bar, but always that nice to be at the bar. But yeah, I like
1: yeah. an overview. I do yeah. like an overview. Yeah, and yeah. I like seeing... I took my mate's... My mate's daughter was... She said, oh, would you take me to see Idols? And I went, I don't know, it's a bit, it's a bit noisy for me on a Saturday night. Yeah. But anyway, I managed to take her... And we were up above and watching the crowd. Right. Well, I said, I'm glad I'm not in there. But I mean, they were fantastic. On yeah, the show, yeah,
0: mate. yeah. They're
1: really tight, and she had a really yeah. good time. Oh, that's ace. Nice. Yeah. And then I took my son
0: to his. F- He's been to festivals before with me. How was he? Eleven, you say? It would just turned eleven. Is he into music? Yeah. Look, but he
1: loves he loves music. That I go. Where have you heard that? Because I'm not what I don't want to be one of those dads that forces. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. taste on people but he's just got into the beatles kill cool. off n- his
0: own accord no
1: they had uh, a 60s day at school right so all the food yeah. they were having like volovance and cheese and pineapple on sticks yeah, which yeah. he loved with yeah. um and they were playing music and talking about um the decade and uh, he went yeah i've really got to the beatles so now he just loves eleanor rigby he'll cool. just play it back to back wow but i was telling him and you'll probably know this better than me I only just found this out that John I don't know if it was idea it was but John asked Paul to write a song in his style do you know this
0: uh, maybe
1: John not, asked no. Paul to write a song in his style and Paul said right will you write one in my style right so Paul ended up writing why don't we do it in the road yeah and John wrote Julia about his mum
0: Right, wow, I didn't know that. I didn't know it until yeah. a few days ago. That's and quite th- interesting. And then
1: you listen to the songs with that in mind, and I'm sure somebody's yeah, screaming yeah. now, listening to this, going, you've got it wrong, but that's kind of the story that right. I've got. Cool. You listen to them, it sounds completely different. Yeah, wow, that.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great exercise. I should try that with yeah with other people. But anyway,
1: it's really, but his taste, his broadens, like he loves, he loves 80s music.
0: Got stranger Things doing that through. I think it is but yeah, even yeah. though
1: he, even though he's only just got into Stranger right, Things okay. and we went camping and he met some other kids who were into it, so they all got on their bikes pretending they were in Stranger Things That's nice. very cool.
0: I just think, yeah, you're alright. It's good yeah, being a yeah. kid. Stay, stay, yeah, stay yeah. as a kid. That's safe. Yeah. That's really cool.
1: How's being a dad changed things? Like going on tour? Because to forgive to tell me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of where you're you're earning yeah, yeah.
0: Morning, isn't it? Yeah it is, yeah. It's uh it's really hard. Um what emotionally? Yeah. Yeah, it's physically it's probably easier. I get more sleep. But like it's um yeah, I wish I didn't have to do it. Not for the just for the for being physically away, but yeah. i I mean we we've got a fairly good thing going with like little and often. You know, I come back anything if we're in the UK, anything that's north Midlands come back. Yeah. And you know, we have a strict rule no longer than two weeks away if it's abroad. And this year, we just knew this year was going to be dialectic because it was album one and it was, you kind of got to do it, you know, it's when you kind of put your Well, especially put your flag in the ground, so we kind of knew what we were Especially because
1: things have just certainly from my side seems to have snowballed quite quickly Yeah, yeah. During Everything happening during lockdown and then When yeah. when
0: when was the album released? January. January. Yeah, yeah. And it's like Yeah. I don't know, we've turned down some pretty good stuff for next year already because it's just like turned down going to Japan. Like I was like, can't can't do it. Something's more important. Yeah. And it's hopefully there'll be another time I can do that. But, yeah, of course. Uh, but the thing yeah. is you can't you can't rewind that, no. that walk, no. or,
1: and then you see somebody's she's videoed it for you. And, oh
0: look, at what I want that. Yeah. Then, uh, well, I missed his first word, which was which was "daddy." Oh. But but then you know, like my justification <laughs> of that is like you know I could have been I could have been at work could have been down the, the road. You could have been at the shops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that you know I could have been out of the house when it happened and come back. So it's yeah. I mean it. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty tough sometimes. We just had like. Uh, We had two weeks in Europe and we'd planned, like, we had two days off either side of our show in Copenhagen, so I planned for him and my wife to come out and uh, she got, like, she got some, like, horrible, like, sickness the day she was meant to fly and they didn't come and it, like, it just meant it was, like, the longest I've been away from them and that was pretty fucking... I was in a bit of a sulk. Didn't leave, didn't leave the hotel room for the day. Oh. But then, you know. But then I'm not like, you know, you fucking, you just got to get on with it sometimes. Yeah. And my ambition is to, you know, not be doing this by the time he starts school and be a lot more selective and, you know, do less for more yeah. later on because that's how it works. And also, you, you mean you, you kind of know this in in the industries we we've ended up in. You, you hay Hey, when the sun shines, you don't you don't get to really choose, like, too yeah. much. You do a bit, but, like... And you can and saying no to stuff is empowering, but there is a part of that goes, you can't say no to all this, cos it's...
1: No, but it is... You know. I, I mean, whenever I talk to younger actors, or even sort of actors my age, you know, it's taken me years to realise the power of saying no, and it, yeah. it, and it is important yeah. to be selective, I think, yeah. from the word go.
0: Cos, you know... Japan ain't going anywhere So not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's it. Yeah, no. I mean, we do we do say no. Uh, sometimes you have to say yes to some stuff. Yeah. You would say no to because yeah. it's a job now. Yeah. and uh, well, exactly. Do you see it as a job? I see touring as a job. I don't see performing and I don't see writing as a job because I love that. Yeah. And, and it's validated what I felt. Like, I'm I'm 32 this year, so I've been chipping away at it since I was a teenager. And I've always had this, like, mad sort of uh, lack of confidence uh, slash complete self-belief in myself where you think you're utter shit and then you think you're fucking brilliant and you believe that you've definitely got something so you don't give up on it. And yeah. that's probably why you're 30 years old starting a band <laughs> again in a pandemic and, you know, and then, and then all of a sudden it happens. But, like... Um, when it when it when it when it started being the thing I do full time, I, I was like, Yeah, this it's I was I was right in my pursuit all of this. This my pursuit of this is what I wanted and it and it kind of validated what I'd chipped away at all those years. But the fact that you do have to make your money touring, it's not it's not the shows. The shows are great, but that's an hour of your day. It's yeah. it's the travelling. Yeah. Like it's not you, and people think you see the world, like, but you, you don't. Well, it's like what you were saying when we started talking with, about Glastonbury.
1: It's kind of rare... Because I have mates with a few people in bands and they go, we're coming in and yeah. we're playing and we're fucking off again. Yeah, we're not, yeah. not going to experience anything because we can't because the schedule yeah, yeah. too tight. That's it's normally it, yeah. people flying and flying out. Yeah. So to for you... And every and everybody in the band and the management and the and the partners and everything to have that time is going to be luxury. Yeah, because you can treat it as a as, as a bit of a holiday,
0: can't you? Yeah, yeah. it's well earned, well earned end of a phase for us. I think. I think, and I'm glad that everyone's there. You know, it's uh, it's going to be nice. Yeah.
1: Well, because you've all experienced it together. Yeah, from from what's been going yeah. on you? Yeah.
0: and everyone tells me it's the best festival in the world. So it's Everybody got a lot to live me. up to. I know. I'm doing everything not to go in there like already like missing it. Yeah, because I'm. Yeah, now I'm not like that that much really, but like sometimes you just feel like, is it as good as you're saying it is? Go on, then. It's impress. like a, it's like its own town. <laughs> that's what people say. Yeah. Oh right, is it really? <laughs> Right, it's a, like it's a dairy farm, <laughs> isn't it? No, it's its own town and it's got its own culture. It's got its own nightclub like, yeah. around that corner. Yeah, this part only opens for four hours on a Sunday morning. It's right. the secret path that you yeah. have to
1: crawl through. Yeah, yeah. Come out the other end, but it's, you're only allowed in if you've got a certain wristband, so, you know.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about all that. You know, I'm when, just going to have a good time. Well, yeah, 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 I think no, I'm going to have,
1: I'm yeah. really looking forward to it. And do you know what? When we're filming now, look, if the weather stays like this... Happy days.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's going to
1: be good. James, when people and fans are buying tickets to your shows and you're headlining, it's one thing, right, because they've bought the tickets to come yeah. to see you. But when you're supporting another band, they've come to see the headliner, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Do you approach... Do you and the band sort of approach that differently when you get on stage? Uh, as opposed to your own gigs.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a different you have to you have to reset your uh, your ego and and uh yeah, you have to le- you have to win the crowd over and it's I like the challenge of it. I like that's why I like playing festivals because yeah. as much as there might be a handful of people that have come to see us there's a ton of people who will just wander up and a ton of people who have heard the name or have listened to a song but haven't seen it live and you yeah, you kind of it's like being a salesperson, you're kind of pitching your style uh and you know showing what you're kind of capable of and uh, I get a lot of joy out of it and I like doing yeah slots that aren't our own because you can't when, you, when you're when you doing your own now now we're at a point where when we do our own headline shows we can uh, kind of lean on the audience a bit to do the work yeah. as much as we do it and I think they want to yeah, as well yeah 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 which is which is handy for us when we're knackered but like yeah no, I love it. I love the challenge of it. Like we did some, we did a couple of sports in Blackpool actually with uh, Foles. Yeah, and um, lovely venue. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, I mean that was like when when they sort of said, "Do you want to support us? And which which of these do you want?" And we picked Blackpool, and the, the management's like, you "Sure, you don't want to do four nights in London with them instead?" And we were like, "No, we want to do Blackpool." Yeah, <laughs> and he was like, "All right, if that's what you want," so we were like, "Right, we'll do Blackpool." And, and yeah, the venue was gorgeous. And you know I have a lot of fond memories of uh, Blackpool growing up. So I kind of I didn't know in what other capacity we'd play Blackpool unless we become as big as Falls and can sell out two nights at the Empress Ballroom, which I can't see happening. But the you know they they you know they're a great band, but they're like their crowd is probably fairly different to ours. Well, very and, different styles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And testament to them for the supports they picked for that tour because they really like. They went out of their way to sort of champion sort of newer bands and, and you know, it was all their choices. Like, they hand-picked all the sports, which is always ace when a when a band do that. Does a band always do that? When no. Like, do you like, do that? We they're... do that, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know. It's probably, It depends. Like, sometimes it's like management will be like, or labels will be pushing acts if there's, you know, vested interest in them. Uh, but we always pick our own, yeah. Do you champion sort of up and coming new bands? Well, yeah, that's the thing, yeah, of course we do, yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
1: Can you feel it from the crowd, you know, when you've when you start to win them over, is there something you can feel you go, Oh, I think we've got them now,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a turning point, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, you just have to work harder, and it's and it's really funny. Like some bands are ace and they they just do what they do and they they just, it's like they're in their lane and it's like you're with them or you're not and they'll go up against a crowd that's not their own and they won't adapt or shift any part of themselves or their music to appeal to anyone else yeah. or their personalities and that is like, that's ace, that's that's what they do and, they, and that's why they have such a, that's why those bands have a defining sound and a, an aesthetic and an image that won't shift, whereas... You can kind of play with the psychology of people and kind of shift an audience's perception of you by just sort of toning a little bit down or amping a little bit up or you know giving them a bit of gratitude and then giving them a bit of shit. Like you know, it's (laughs) like it's all play Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like it is. It's like it's a it's 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 quite a psychological thing, I think. It's a fun game to play because yeah, winning people over, it's not as, it's not as easy as... Ju- I mean, if you do what you do and you're good, you'll win over a certain amount of people, yeah. and other people won't be into it. I mean, I don't know, maybe, it, maybe, maybe this analogy doesn't work, actually. No, I
1: think it does because, I mean, I don't do loads of theatre, Yeah, I was telling my girlfriend the other day when we were doing a play years ago, it was just before my son was born, so it was like 11 years ago. right. And uh, we'd moved to the West End. There was very little press and publicity. People didn't really know we were there. Yeah. And when you're doing a matinee show, it's the Blue Rinse Brigade. And yeah. they're all there. They've been forced to come. And you just you can sense it as well, going, we've totally not got them.
0: Yeah, we've not yeah. got them
1: here. Yeah. And then I remember looking down at one point. There's three people fast asleep on the front row. It's like, what? what's the point? I'm, we yeah. might as well just clock off now. It's yeah. just not. You can't win that back at yeah. all. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think you do feel it.
0: It's just if you're up for the challenge, I guess. I guess yeah. with theatre, it's... I don't know. It's, it's, it is, you know, it's, there's only so much you can do as well. It is energy, but yeah. you, can, you can... It's how you sort of... I int- oh, sound like fucking right hippie saying this. It's, it's how you interpret the sort of energy in a room and if you can sort of... How do you convert that energy into something positive that's going to make people feel what you're doing when they're not already feeling it. And it takes a lot. It takes free... Even with our own crowds, it takes free songs before people are moving. Like, you have to put that groundwork in, you know. It's really? Because
1: like, I, I think
0: most of your stuff's really good to, to dance to. Yeah. I would have
1: thought they'd be there at track one.
0: It's some bigger shows, yeah, but sometimes, you know, smaller venues, you know... The bigger the room, the bigger the, the bigger the amount of people that are going to dance. The faster they're going to do it. But I think in smaller venues, there's a smaller pocket of people, and everyone's a bit unsure about whether it's going to go off or not, and a bit self-conscious. Cause yeah. More, yeah, yeah, You have to kind of amp them up, and yeah, there's a there's an art to it.
1: You mentioned before about when you were a teenager about tinkering and writing. So when did all that start for you, or was it something you'd always? Done, but I suppose when did you start taking it seriously? Music, writing. And writing yeah. Because um, I feel so, I feel if we took all the music away and we were just left with the lyrics, mm, you could quite easily stand there on a stage and tell these stories.
0: Right, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I suppose, I mean, I remember writing... I remember writing my first set of lyrics in primary school. To, and i I didn't play any instruments so i didn't know how music worked, but I remember writing verses and choruses, even you know I kind of knew enough about pop music to write and to rhyme that was always something that I liked to do, and was like this did like you know two like stanzas like two and two yeah and it was like and then I'd write chorus and then it'd be like verse two and I don't know where I picked that up from, but I remember writing that young and then um Yeah, when I was a teenager. I remember I j I don't know, I remember just wanting to I remember like being in bands with mates and you try and write originals and like you know, I I was always the drummer, uh and the and obviously the singer or the singer would always write the lyrics and they just never really gelled and then I think yeah, it was like Arctic Monkeys, like I started writing in that style as a teenager because I understood it. And, yeah. And so I was like, well, you can write about these things and you know, you'd Yeah, just write about Yeah, you know, going out to, <laughs> going out to nightclubs <laughs> in Warrington. Like it's really fucking embarrassing. But but it was a start. And um Yeah, yeah, then and then and then when I got to when I got to uni in Leeds, I just... Again, I didn't play any instruments. I went to music college and I didn't play any instruments. I did a production course. Right. And I, all, I mean, apart from drums, I played drums, so... But I didn't have any melodic... I didn't know how to write a song with a guitar or whatever. So I used to just write quite rhythmically and write, yeah, write beats and then write words to them. And... But you were kind of still just on your own? Right yeah, yeah, point. yeah. Yeah, never really... Yeah, I mean, I wrote lyrics in the band I was in at a teenager back home that I didn't sing. And, uh I was kind of finding my feet with it. And then I kind of just got this confidence when I came to, yeah, when I came to uni, when I went to the College of Music and I found a band there called... Because you were sort of around like-minded people there, do you think? Well, because I wasn't, I think. Right. Yeah, I didn't really... I found a few people that I ended up forming a band with, uh... Which was called Postwar Glamour Girls, which I did for like ten years, which which also is a is a John Cooper Clark poem. So yeah. that's probably wearing me out on my sleeve there. Like um, he was quite a big. I think when I when I remember my dad gave me his CDs, and I remember being like, "All oh, right, that made more sense to me than a lot of the poetry." I was. I didn't. I was told I couldn't do poetry at school. I was told I didn't understand it by my English teacher. Really? Yeah, yeah. And so I gave up on that quite fast, and I thought it wasn't for me. And uh, so it's it's a, something I still carry with me now. Actually, is and I don't I think actually what I do is poetry, but I struggle to say it is because I was told that I was doing it wrong as a as a teenager, and so I was like, all right, well that's you know, I got to see for that. I I'm not really doing it right. I won't you know I won't interfere on that anymore. Like. It's clearly not my world. Um, well, it's funny how those things stick with you, innit? Yeah. But, um, it's just the little things yeah. that somebody says.
1: Because as much as you can have encouragement by, you know, say a teacher, it's yeah. only the other teacher goes, Yeah, yeah. No, actually, this is how it's done. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you can't go outside this box. Yeah, which is yeah. Which
0: complete bullshit. Yeah, it's,
1: it's bad. And, and, and destructive for, for a child.
0: And I imagine now... 15 years on with the state of things now and sort of standardized testing and that is probably 10 times worse i imagine that way more creativity is crushed out of kids that are having a go than you know uh, would have been would have happened yeah you know um it's funny i've just been watching that um have you watched pistol on disney I'm, plus I'm, Three episodes there in. There you are. All right, so, you, so you've seen the, uh, you know, when uh, Johnny Rotten auditions for the band yeah. and they all laughed their heads off at him. And I was kind of like, as well as watching it, I know some of it's like semi-fictionalised or whatever and the, the, the sort of structure's bent a little bit and all that, but started reading up again on the Sex Pistols, sort of looking at the backstory and looking, looking at John Lydon's sort of story and... Um, looking at instances where, like, you know, it, he was kind of just like knocked down or knocked back, and uh, and that was one of them. And I was just thought, I mean, like, obviously, he's a very defiant person who <laughs> went on to become Johnny Rotten and yeah. become, and be John Lydon and always have his own fucking voice and everything. But it just like made me think, like, how many how many times are like the kids give it a go and then someone laughs at them or tells them they're shit and they never do it again and it's like, what are we, you know, imagine if, it's one of them hypotheticals, isn't it? Imagine if Johnny Rotten had thrown the towel in then and 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 the, how everything, how the catalyst for everything would have been different, yeah. you know. I know, we, I know it would have been someone else if it wasn't him, but it's just interesting those subtle things that we can carry with us and yeah, I just, yeah, a lot of people just, a lot of kids just not back very young and they're never Oh, the, amount the of, society, the society of, we're in. The yeah. amount of people that I've
1: spoken to in the past, certainly over the five years, and not even just on this podcast, just like in normal life, and they were told, when they, when they said to a careers advisor at school, oh, you know, I want to I be an actor or I want to yeah, be a yeah. musician or I want to I write, you know, yeah. that's all very well and good but what yeah, you're gonna, yeah. what, what you're, what's yeah. your main career going to be? That, that sounds like a lovely hobby.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: it is that, isn't it? Yeah. How many poor kids have just gone, oh, well, maybe I should no. listen to this person. Well, yeah. no, actually. Yeah. You should follow
0: what you're doing. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not... not That's not, not really what... Yeah, for you. <laughs> it's not what, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's weird. It's, uh, but, yeah, hang on, what was I saying? I got, de- I got distracted, sorry. We all get distracted. We were
1: talking about uh, that cartoonist, though, just going back to the pistol thing, and it's quite...
0: Yeah, it's quite, yeah I'm quite enjoying it. It's quite it. theatrical, Yeah, But I think they're all going with that style. Mm. It works. Yeah, I think it works. I think I'm finding it enjoyable. And it,
1: I, uh, and it rattles along. Mm. Like, it's really well-paced because
0: fucking... Danny Boyle, and he's yeah, really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. He's a really good director. I, th- I think it's good. I know there's been a lot of backlash from it, uh, but I think it's just campy and quite fun. And who cares? If, who cares if it's slightly made up, you know? But also, uh, it's it's, yeah. it's that's sort of one person's version of a yeah, story. Yeah.
1: Like yeah. I've said this to before, but you know, the amount of people that said, oh, yeah, I was there at the trades club. Yeah, yeah. When the sex person was you weren't because yeah. there was only a very small crowd there. Yeah, yeah. Every yeah. claims to have been there.
0: It's funny
1: though. It's all right with that story though. I've c i have just I think that pistol thing, I think people just dive in and go with it and it's a lot of yeah. fun. It's a good fun ride.
0: Yeah, it is a fun ride. I'm in yeah, I'm enjoying it. And uh Yeah, it is good. It's it's good, I like it. But well, let's
1: push let's just nip back to uni again. That was when everything started to sort of
0: click into place a little bit for you. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I went to the College of Music because I wanted to get out from under my mum's feet and I knew that I wasn't going to... I mean, like, when I did my A-levels, I did all my pretend subjects, like theatre and uh, media and English and uh, music tech. And uh, I knew that I basically just, I, I wanted to start a band and there weren't that many people in Warrington and I wanted to start my own life and not be in my mum's house and basically just didn't want to have a job. Yeah. So I just, you know, got in on this production course and uh, spent three years learning not a lot about music production but but spending a lot of time using the facilities and making friends with a lot of people in Leeds who played in bands and forming a band and that in itself felt like my education yeah and um you know and yeah and yeah you utilizing the the library all the cds and the books and that and just getting as much out of it as i could it, it you know it wasn't really a three year course there's not too so much you can say apart from learn how to do it and, and use your brain and and most of it, you know, most of production is uh, learning how to manage people and manage egos, I think, more than it is about uh, plugging wires in. And, um, yeah, so I was doing that and, I, you know, started this band and confidence kind of grew in that because I, I, I saw myself... The, with it being a music college and there being, like, jazz courses and classical courses and rock and pop courses and then the production course, the production kids tended to be the ones who were a bit shitter on instruments and right. weren't trained in the same way. They were, you know, they were coming from a... They'd done music tech at A-level kind of background, which was, like, at the time, it was like you'd have cube. Do you know bass? No. Bass is, like... I mean, it was great. It was, like... Sort of archaic sort of version of Logic or Pro Tools, like right. one of the first versions that our school kind of had on a computer. And we'd you'd draw these triangles in on a grid to make drum beats and that it was quite cool. And we were kind of coming from that and like learning that kind of side of it. And um, but you know, also I had guitars and was sort of picking up and learning, and yeah, started this this band with these people that are you know, some of my best friends still, um I kind of learnt as we went, learnt how to write songs, learnt learnt a lot about myself and what I wanted. I was quite um How old were you at this point? Nine, 19 to twenty two I was at
1: uni. Right. And so then, you did a lot of growing up personally within that time as we mm, all are at that age. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think I did most of my growing up sort of sort of the ages sort of yeah, probably like yeah sort of into my mid twenties i was quite um i mean i was, i was just really fucking angry at the time i was i was miserable i had i had a fair bit going on in me in my personal life that you know i lost a friend uh, at nineteen and i never really processed that and then uh, some other stuff going on with that i don't i won't go into but like that I that again that I realised that I kind of dealt with by pretending it was fine and um like looking back, I definitely kinda of just swallowed it down and didn't really sort of uh face it head on. And then I kinda of did over over time and yeah, I just just kinda of learnt a lot about myself through writing really and that kinda of led me to sort of that band sort of ending in a fairly good place after after four albums, but to not much, to very little success. But um, is that why you parked it? I think some of the others were ready to move on with their lives, and uh, you know, one of them is a a, a sommelier now, right? It's that a wine taster, They're a wine pairer. One of them's a sommelier. One's training to be a uh, a music lawyer, um, and the other is uh, like a manager for like a music shop and that. So that, but you know, they were hitting a point in the. It's a lot to ask of people. It takes up a lot of time to I play empty rooms. Yeah, uh, and I got it, um, but I would have carried on. Would ya? I would have. Yeah, I mean, I did yeah. with a new band. Yeah. Like you know, it's uh, it was something in me that I couldn't give up and fuck knows. Why? But I, uh, but I carried on. I started a new band straight away called Cruel World that did nothing. But I just loved the songs we were writing, and it was like the most mellow. Like Post War Glamour Girls was quite angry. Uh, That's probably n- because you were quite angry. Probably, that time. yeah. As, so the other thing was, as it started coming to the end, I started to come out of this sort of phase that I'd been in, and I started to feel like I couldn't really deliver the songs anymore. I couldn't really. I also had that very. uh, I think it's largely like quite a naive thing that you've that that I I feel that only musicians have no other like the tortured artist thing. Like uh, they really struggle to to think that you can do anything if it's inauthentic unless you're feeling it in that moment. And it's and it is bollocks. Like, but at the time I was like, I can't I can't scream this song anymore because I'm quite happy. (laughs) And that's how it that's how it kind of felt and. um, but yeah, we parted in quite a good place and I was like, this isn't really the music we're kind of making now. But then I kind of went too far the other way and started making this really sort of like soft Americana like uh alt country indie rock with with some mates who again who are still old mates and I love and I'd love to pick that project up again at some point when I'm not as busy with this just for just for complete sheer love of it. Yeah. Um but with that I kind of I felt like I felt like because I kind of poured so much of my sort of personality into post-war glamour girls and got nothing from it, I felt like there was something wrong with me a little bit and that people didn't want me, but I still kind of, like, believed in the writing I was doing. So, with so you this took band, it personally? Yeah, yeah, quite, yeah. I just thought, like, well, no-one's interested in... No-one wants to hear me going on. So when I wrote these songs, I got somebody else to sing most of them, and, like, and when I sang, I, like, sucked all the sort of character out of my voice and sang them in like the most monitor like the you know the plainest voice i could because i didn't want to like offend anyone almost like um which is quite the opposite to what you're doing now because there's yeah. just so much character there yeah and then that and then that that was like i don't know i don't think i would have got to the point that i got to with yardage if it wasn't for first off ryan who i started the band with encouraging me and like reassuring me that just talking in my own voice was all right and then, and then after that, just the reaction it got. You know, when it did all right on Six Music and that, and it was like, oh, people actually. And then, and then when it became gigs with people at them, it was like, oh, people just think they just like what we're doing. Yeah. And then, and then it's again, it's that thing I was saying, like what going back to what we were saying earlier, when you kind of shot down how many people are shot down don't achieve what they could go on to achieve. It was that as soon as I knew people, I had the wind in my sails. I started pushing it further and feel like now I'm starting to reach somewhere I want to be with it, more so than what we've already achieved. And I feel like I couldn't have done that without uh, support, which is pretty mad, really, because it makes you feel like you're quite... Uh, you know, what's the word? Do you know what word I mean? No. <laughs> like, uh Like, uh your ego is malnourished or something if you feel like you can't do it unless you're getting credit and support for it and praise. Like, you feel like you can't do something about praise. But I don't know if that is the case. I just think people just excel when people do, tell them they're doing all right, you know.
1: But also, you must know, you can feel, You must feel it as well, going, oh, we're onto something here. This feel, it, oh, yeah. It feels, I, yeah. This feels like a part of me. Yeah, yeah. Because there must be something that very exposing... When you go, well, I've written this, and now I'm going to put this out mm. there and yeah, see yeah. what the reaction is.
0: Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, yeah, it is scary. Do you need to be scared? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think you know, everyone's got to be a little bit scared if they're being truly vulnerable. Uh,
1: exactly, which I think is key to being vulnerable. I think, yeah. and also, I think there's a strength in vulnerability. Yeah, but. There's nothing nothing worse, that's a silly statement, but I don't like seeing anybody, actually, whether they're a musician or, or an actor, I'm just taking those two because it's yeah. what we do, on the stage and you go, you're looking from an audience point of view, you go, you couldn't give a shit. Mm. You don't care. Yeah. So it's either an actor who comes on the stage and he's just pissing through it, he just wants to get back. Yeah. Or it's a band that are so bored with their set, mm. they're just...
0: How, how often do you see that when you're watching other actors? <sighs> Percentage-wise. I don't, oh, I don't want to say, I might offend
1: people. Quite a bit, a fair yeah. bit. What I will say, we went to the theatre... Twice last weekend in London. So we went to see a play called Jerusalem. You're going
0: to give away now by naming the place. No, You're no, no, know. no, this is oh, quite the opposite. all very good. All right, okay. So
1: there's a jazz book with a play called Jerusalem that's just come back after, like, 11 years. Right. Do you know, if you heard of this play? No, I haven't. I think you should read it. I think you, good. you'd really like it. Cool. So there's an actor right. called Mark Rylance. Okay. Who
0: I know that name.
1: Well, I've, I was on the phone to a friend driving up to Leeds today because he'd seen it as well. Right. And, we were still talking about it, like, four days after. Cool. Because we were going, right, we sat up one night in this hotel. We were on the Saturday night Yeah, going back to it. Yeah. And then go, what about the ending there? What did that mean? That was quite ambiguous. Right. What do you think? Oh, no, I thought this. So you, you sat there having these discussions. Yeah, yeah. But that is quite the opposite of what I'm talking about. You see somebody come on stage and just take
0: complete
1: control over what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And they were alive. I know that sounds yeah, yeah. sounds silly to say, but you just went, oh, that's not what Ryan right. The actor, this is this character who's just come out of this caravan. Yeah, he's yeah. He's washing his hair in this steel... He's got a massive hangover, he's cracking eggs and vodka, and so then he's drinking it on stage, and you feel the energy from yeah, the audience yeah, yeah. going,
0: oh, yeah.
1: we were here, we're going to remember this. Yes. Oh, cool. And then on Saturday night, we went to see Oklahoma. Nice. But it was a complete... Retelling, and right. it's really dark. It was okay. the bleakest ending to anything I've seen. Right, okay, cool. By the time this comes out, it's over anyway. But like, they're all covered in blood at the end. Wow. It was like it turned into fucking Pedro Almodovar film or something. Right. It was Just. Yeah, yeah. It was fucking brilliant. And then I, 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 even after that, we were still talking about that as well, going. Because it's just an old-school musical yeah, where everybody's yeah, yeah. shining
0: happy. So they still have the songs in it? Was it yeah, done as a player? It was done still as a musical. all the songs.
1: Right, okay. One of the actors has got a guitar on stage, because he's a bit of an actor-muso. it was brilliant. Right. But they are all sat on stage. It was kind of quite Brechtian. They okay. were all sat on chairs. Cool. It was very sparse. It was almost like a school hall, like yeah. an American gym. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're all in modern day sort of cowboy costume, cowboy costume, you know, country and western sort yeah. of style. But at the end of it, after two days after it, I went. You know that lead character is supposed to be really nice. He's a horrible piece of shit. <laughs> he, he was, he was so narcissistic. Why would anybody want to be with him? And also, yeah. wait a minute. He went round to that other fella's house to talk to him about. His funeral about how he probably should kill himself. It was (laughs) horrible, but it was only when they'd sort of stripped everything away and he went, "This is quite a dark musical where no no real characters have any redeeming features at all." Yeah, yeah. So no, that that sounds ace. It was it was a really special special thing to see. But I think because we were so blown away and still processing the night before. Yeah, Mark Rylance. Yeah. But and they were both brilliant. By
0: well, I've thinking. seen him in anything. I feel like I know the name. So
1: he excels at everything he does. I think. Oh, I think okay. he's brilliant. And he he says to himself, you know, he feels utmost at home when he's on stage, and you can tell because it's, yeah. you, you you're witnessing something quite extraordinary. But he, uh, I think it was after the first bit of Jerusalem when it played out. He was in. He did a couple of Spielberg films like Back to Back, and then like I think he won a best Sporting actor Oscar for Bridge of Spies. He's been great on screen.
0: Yeah,
1: Yeah. but he's so he's just quite an odd face. Right, yeah, yeah. But you buy it. You buy everything. Yeah, yeah. So that's the complete opposite of what we were kind of just. I've just kind of derailed it. But no,
0: no. Well, no. It's interesting because well, I mean, I mean, the thing that uh, a lot of uh, modern I'm doing quote fingers here for the podcast quote unquote post post-punk bands as the press likes to uh, call us is that for a lot of them it's uh it's their aesthetic to look bored on stage so you can't really tell if they're into it or not and that's uh, you know part of the poker face of it really um so i don't so i don't i don't often i mean you kept but no, no, you can feel it through the music whether a band is you know stock still you can feel it when a band fakes it as well. Yeah, well, so like I say it's, it's just an energy, innit? Yeah. It's like you know when someone's being a triad, but also people have different opinions of what a triad is, and some people might think I'm a triad because I leap around on stage trying to get people amped up. But you know, we'll have that. I
1: knew I knew we'd get some. I knew we'd get,
0: yeah, yeah. get some some, yeah,
1: some lovely yeah. garage square. Yeah, they, uh but that's the thing as well you can see it you can see you can see it when someone's faking it. Yeah. I can. Yeah. But I can hear it when someone's faking it. Yeah. You yeah. Know when you, this comes back to listening to the radio, you know, when someone's really trying too hard as a DJ on the radio. Yeah. yeah. Just tone it yeah. down. Just relax a bit more, be natural. And also, you don't find that interview funny. You're laughing there and that's the fakest laugh I've ever heard. Yeah. yeah.
0: You can just hear it. Interviews are hard. You get a lot of interviews where you know that the person isn't... Especially at festivals, you get you get shoved in front of someone to do an interview and they don't even know who you are and then they've clearly been given a, a rundown. And they're not even listening to your answers anyway. Yeah, and you just think, wow, who's this for? What are we doing this for? But, uh, it, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I, I'll tell you what, something interesting. How do you feel about... So, we're talking about... I think we've basically what we've said in a roundabout way, would you agree, Craig, is that people believe you when you be yourself, right? Yeah. Right. But as an actor, you're always being somebody else. Uh-huh. So how do you be yourself whilst being somebody else completely? Well, I don't think you are. I think you've been true, true to
1: yourself okay. as an actor, yeah. for the, without getting all like it, for the art form, right? Yeah.
0: But your investment is in the character. So you're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. So that's you being yourself. Honouring the script. Yeah. And creating the character into
1: three-dimensional. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That's great. But I also see talking about people faking it, whatever they're doing on the stage, if you're there in a live capacity, is people who are technically brilliant. Mm -hmm. But they're showing you how technically brilliant they are.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like that. No, it's boring, isn't it? Yeah, it's boring. It's
1: it's exactly that. It's not exciting at all. So just jumping back to Mark Rylance on the stage, you
0: did not know what was going to come out of his mouth. Yeah, cool. Right, Right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the energy and the suspense. Yeah, yeah. And it's slightly terrifying. Yeah, yeah. But you're sat there yeah.
1: cra- with all
0: strangers. Yeah, yeah. But you're
1: all like that. <gasps> you're just waiting to yeah. see what happens next and what he's going to come out with next. And I like seeing that in, in as I say whatever capacity we're in whether it's a band or we're on stage or we're seeing something.
0: Yeah. Where do you stand on the podcast as an art form? <sighs> I think conversations
1: in general are sacred. Like, we're having, I don't want to give it too much weight or sound like an idiot, but I do think so because we're, we're having this conversation now. Yeah. It's never going to be repeated. Yeah. But I, what I've learned, because I, I, I was terrified doing this, because, and I've said this to b- before on the podcast, but what, Certainly, i I can't speak for every actor, but what I always hated was the selling of the product, yeah, yeah, so if I had to go on and do a live interview or a phone interview, yeah yeah, you, you know you get it's bit like you at festivals, you get yeah, asked the yeah. same questions, they don't really know who they are, they haven't seen it, but I was always terrified of being me, right, yeah, 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 because. You just try and hide as much behind,
0: yeah, yeah, because you want to keep, yeah, you want to keep your private, you want to keep your personal self to yourself, you want to keep a part of you not exposed as well, yeah, again. Well, that, you know, and that's sacred, but it's not
1: just for the sake of you, it's for other people and loved ones in your life, yeah, exactly, yeah, even more so, probably, because at least you build up. Strength and you've got tools to deal with it, mm. whereas people aren't asked to be in this, might be yeah. affected, you know? Yeah, so It's yeah. happened to me in the past. Yeah. Um, but when I started this, it was like, well, I've got to... L- listening is my job as an actor, Yeah. But this is very different, because I've got to... And I've got to be myself, because I can't fake it. Yeah, yeah. Because I, that won't be true to me. Forget about being true to a yeah, yeah. won't be true to me, so therefore... It'll, it won't be authentic. Mm. So I was just constantly learning to do this. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's still a buzz and it's still exciting. Yeah. Otherwise I wouldn't carry on doing it. Yeah, yeah. It's great. It's nice. I don't... And I've said this before, so forgive me, I'm repeating myself, but I don't think we have proper one-on-one conversations enough. No. You know? I, do you have those mates where... Oh no! I'm going out with A because it's just me and them, and that's what that's how that's our relationship.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then you've got
1: other mates well, we all get together.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I do have those mates, and uh, yeah, those conversations are sacred. They are, aren't they? And um, yeah, sometimes it's hard to find the time these days. You know, well, I mean, you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, my own my own wife is one of them mates, and we find it hard to find the time at the moment to just sit down and. Back and forth, like yeah, when you get lost in a conversation and uh, and you don't know where it's going, and uh, that's as exciting as seeing yeah. something on the stage. And you're going, I don't know what's coming out of the
1: mouth because we don't know. Yeah, we're yeah, not, we're yeah. Not, we're not planning it.
0: That's it. that's why
1: yeah, yeah. it's just me and you now with some cup of tea and I'm like, I've got no, yeah, I've yeah. got no list of questions because I never want that. Yeah, of course. Because I don't. I wouldn't be listening. Yeah, and I yeah. wouldn't be looking. Yeah. And I think they're the two important things that I've learned.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. It's been a, it's been interesting so far. Who knows where well, it'll go next?
1: I'm sure it'll probably go downhill now after that, mate.
0: <laughs> well, let's talk. Let's
1: let's get into it. Let's talk about building Yard Act. How did it, how
0: did the, how did it all get together? So, Ryan, who I started the band with, yeah, uh, he uh, he. Me and him had been, he was in another band called Menace Beach, knocking around Leeds, and we'd we'd played some gigs together and stuff, and we were friends, and we were kind of going to the pub a little bit. Yeah. And um, he, uh, that came to an end, and he basically ended up needing somewhere to live, and I said, do you want to just come and stay in our spare room? And um, he was for that and so we moved into our spare room and um, he was going through a tough time I think he's sort of on the right track again now but you know I think that really bound us him coming to live with me and me and, me and Linz and like looking after you know getting himself back on track and, and it was in that time that we started writing uh, together together for a side project, right, and um, Una- unaware of what this side project was going to be. No, we were, there was no grand plans at the time, and there was a couple of, uh, couple of like other lads knocking around that had sort of, that had sort of said oh. they wanted to start a band, and so we kind of sort of set that up, and it was quite. I mean, it was called Yard Act, and we did a few gigs with it in the start of 2020. So that was sorry, that was like September 2019 to. December 2019, <clears throat> Ryan was with. Ryan was at my house and we were writing demos. And then he moved out on New Year's on like the 6th of January or something. And we did, oh no, we did our first gig on the 6th of January. He moved out on the 5th and we did our first gig here, right. Broodnell on the 6th, <clears throat> uh, opening for our mates' band, Big Softy. And. um yeah we got two more under our belt before the lockdown hit. We had one track recorded which we'd done with bill ryder jones yeah and um ryan's we had we had like a decent manager straight away because Ryan used to be on a label called Memphis Industries, if you know it I know we've of got it, like yeah. field music yeah. and uh, mush and the go team and that and so uh, they they took us on early and they sort of said like Right, let's well, let's put this song out. And we were like, well, shouldn't we wait until we can all go out again? And they were like, eh, it's probably best to just get it out and see what happens. So we put it out during the lockdown. Was that Fixer Upper? No, that was no. Trapper's Pelts, that was called. Right. So that came out, and there was a little bit of a bubble and a murmur, and that was really nice, but, you know, it didn't really mean much. And then, and then they were like, well, you know, there's kind of a bit of interest off record shops. If you can get a B-side done, we can press a seven-inch and um, kind of get the ball rolling with them because uh, they kind of want to support you. Yeah. And so Fixer Upper was a demo that me and Ryan had um, mm-hmm. that that wasn't finished as far as we were concerned, but we sent it to Ross Orton, who did like uh, Working Men's Club and Arctic Monkeys right. and stuff. He was like a producer. Then we sent it to him to do a remix just to mix it and he essentially just like turned everything up and made the drum kit sound enormous, and, like, and it was, like, my vocal... It was the first vocal I'd done of it. Like, there's loads of, like, there's loads of, like, pops on the vocal and loads of me, like, slurring words and, like, and stumbling and stuttering because it was, like, the first take I'd done of that. It wasn't a... It was a demo. And um, and that came back, and it was just meant to be the B-side to this (laughs) other song. And then it kind of all just took off after that, and it was mad. And we lost a couple of members... Oh. Um, in the process, they had another band going, and you know they kind of chose to go with that and um yeah we had we had like new we had a new guitarist Shipo come in, but we didn 't see him because of the pandemic, yeah. so he was recording remotely and then like we it was all kind of building without any gigs and um and also
1: building without like forging like proper relationships yeah really doing all the things that you
0: would normally do yeah completely apart from me and ryan yeah we were very very sort of bound together at this point and we're kind of that kind of just kept growing stronger and stronger and um as this grew kind of our relationship grew in tandem with it and it was all really it just there was never one point where we weren't on the same page and that was quite sort of refreshing in in a band um and then it got to the point where, like, labels were sniffing around and stuff, and we went, we went down to Bristol for a week in January 2021 to, with this producer, Ali Chant, who did the album, to see, just to see what would happen, because we were just trying stuff out. We didn't have a label at this point. We didn't know what we were going to do next. Were you recording in Bristol? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Near Saint Paul's, the studio is. Do you know it?
1: Uh, well, I used to I used to live
0: not far from Bristol. Yeah. Oh, it's cool. Yeah, it. it's wicked, isn't it? Yeah. yeah we, I mean, we had a good time, except everything was closed. Yeah. It's probably why we focused on the album instead of getting distracted, really, which was quite nice. There was not a lot to do. We just stayed in this Airbnb, walked to and from the studio every day, and it was just me and Ryan. Sam Sam didn't come because of lockdown restrictions, and he sent all his parts remotely. And I I ended up playing drums on the record because we didn't have a drummer at this point. And we basically just built the skeleton of the album in a week with Ali, me and Ryan. And then he came up to Leeds for a week and we recorded with my mate Rob and Ali there producing, with Sam playing all his guitar parts. And we finished the record in Leeds at a local studio called Greenmount in March. Still didn't have a label... Didn't know what we were going to do with it. Um, But we're talking to quite a lot of labels. And then, yeah, and then Ireland kind of, like, kept coming back and they were the ones that kind of got where we wanted to go with it and they took the album as it it was.
1: At that moment, before you were with a label, you're doing all this stuff, you're recording, you're in the studio. Who's financing all of this?
0: Ourselves right. think, previous because uh, that can
1: it can't be cheap
0: the Trying no to the studio time must be studio time. Ali was pretty chill about saying like you know pay when you can, and we got funding from PRS as well to do right. like the album, so that covered that. Right, okay. But everything else, it was like the first, the first what? seven, the first bit of press. Yeah, mine and Ryan's old bands. Had like when we cashed out at the end of the day, I think I, think I came away with £180. Uh, God knows how much I pumped into it, but that's what I walked away yeah. with at the end. That was what was left in the band's account when we, when we called it a day and closed the account. And, and Ryan had about 500, 600 quid left or something, whatever it was. We just chipped in that money ourselves to pay for the press agent to promote the single. And then, um, yeah, management helped with the press in the first single. But then it funded itself from then on. The money that the first single kind of generated funded the second one, and then yes, t-shirts started selling online, and we were selling t-shirts to America and stuff in the lockdown. And it was like, what? Well, couldn't believe. Like I remember, but like it seems. I remember buying a hundred. We had fifty t-shirts and they all went, and then I, and then I, we bought hundred and fifty. And I remember, that actually, that was one time when me and Ryan had a slight argument. He was like, this is, gonna, this is a waste of money, these aren't going to sell. And I was like, L- have faith, they'll sell. And we put them online and, like, they all went and it was like that money, like, funded the next stage and it was just like, it's, yeah, it's impossible to do it without money, but, yeah. but for some reason, maybe just that logo on a T-shirt kind of was bankrolling us a little bit. I don't know, we got lucky. And were you surprised, weren't
1: America's ears sort of pricked up about it because I don't want to put onto a, a you know oh they, these are quite northern stories
0: but they're yeah. certainly quite
1: British stories and obviously I can hear that they're quite northern stories but there's some sort of frame of references that they're definitely not going to get
0: yeah definitely well I mean I feel like that about anywhere in Europe like Ryan like Ryan sort of always says like you know they don't have poundstrop terracotta frogs in Germany <laughs> but uh, Maybe they do. Maybe they do. Yeah, Euro, Euro shop terracotta frug. I don't know what they call over there. I wasn't very good at German at school. It's not frug. That's uh, stupid. Um, the yeah. I mean, at that point, there's always a couple of like anglophiles and early, you know, early adopters at college radio and that. The pickups. So, you know, they're going to places like Seattle and New York. Yeah. That's not as you know surprising, but when american booking agents started getting in touch we thought they were taking the piss we were like it's how's it going to translate over there and yeah. then and then, it, and then it was like you know a manager was like no no like you know below the mainstream they they quite like british bands they you know there's a, there's a bit of a an interest in it so you might you know you might do all right you know because we were like we can like we can't tour america like we'll just lose loads of money he's like yeah you will but you should give it a go because it's an experience and then and then at the end of the day if they don't want you you won't go back and it was like so we may as well make this once in a lifetime like have a go but then in all the time this happened obviously like republican america picked us up which is like fucking Taylor Swift and Stevie Wonder is on Republic. I don't know what. <laughs> wow. R out there does us and Eddie Vedder. Fuck. So, like, fuck knows what this. Uh, but, like, you know, like, you take it over a pinch of salt. Yeah. Because it's ridiculous. But, yeah, I mean, like, went on Jimmy Fallon. What the, f- the fuck was that about? Like, he's stupid. How was that? Yeah, really funny. Like, we just, like, we just. I don't know. Like I say, we've all been around the, the block. We've all been doing it long enough. Everything that happens now is just a f- hilarious bonus. Yeah. Stuff like that, it's like... I mean, we take it seriously, but at the same time, we do take it with a pinch of salt. I think you have
1: to, though, don't you? You can't be I, I mean, serious about that. It's the same yeah. with my game.
0: Yeah. It's it's a really funny thing trying to balance like like that, because... I mean, it's, it's like, what are you called... Like, what do you... What do you want to be, and what are your core beliefs? Like, you know, America in itself has a very, an image that goes largely against what I'm, <sighs> I think I'm about, you know, and so far I've not been, I feel like I've not been suckered into it, you know, I'm not bothered about uh, status and financial status, and I'm not bothered about, um, rubbing shoulders with—I'm I'm bothered about it because it's funny. Yeah, like i am am bo- bothered about like, like getting a photo with Jimmy Fallon because <laughs> it's funny to show yeah. it to my mates. But like, but I'm not bothered in like trying to make friends with people unless they become yeah. our know, friends over time. And you know that's not going to happen in that moment. And it can be quite a like vapid and. World, you can get sucked into if you have. You, have you been in America? Have you, like, have no. you been out? No. You not have any auditions? Because I listened to this, this one with uh Martin Comston. Oh, yeah, and when he was talking about his LA fiasco and that, I just thought, like, you not, you've not been out there, you've not done any auditions? At all. No, I was uh, we lived in New York, uh,
1: or when I was married, because my ex-wife was on Broadway at the right, time. Right, OK. So I went over with the cat. Nice. Yes. Cos we are going to be there for, like, six months. Yeah. And I'm not going to do it out, but I'll, uh, I did some auditions.
0: For Broadway or for no, film for, or for, TV? For, for film and
1: telly. Yeah, right. But I just thought, well, I'm trying to build a career over here. Yeah. And, you know, touch wood... I'm grafting. I'm working hard, and it's going all right. So, yeah.
0: I don't want to start again. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what I'd be doing. I mean, that's what. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're doing. When yeah. We go out there. The venues are two hundred cappers again. You know, it was quite a jolt going from like playing to two hundred, coming back and playing to like a thousand in London. But I like the rush of that. I like it keeps you on your toes. It yeah, means you don't get into that mon- monotony. Like you say, a festival crowd's not your own. A sport crowd's not your own you go to Europe or you go to America and the, all the venues are different sizes and then you come back and you can play, to, you know, I mean, yeah, about a thousand odd people a night now for us and it's like, that's all, like, <sighs> ace, but then, like, yeah, it's good because it keeps you in check and it, yeah. it reminds you that you're not the, the, uh, the be-all and end-all. Well, it's things like that that ground you. Yeah, yeah, completely. Which are really important. Yeah, I think it's important. I think, I don't know, I, th- I think it must be important to a lot of people. I don't know. I don't know. I like to see the best in people, but Do it's that. important <laughs> to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like to try, yeah. <clears throat> I, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, that's so America was funny, but we just had a good time with it. But, yeah, they really went for it. And, and, f- and the funny thing about America was we had a, we had a, f- a friend who... Uh, well, actually, I will just name because they're a mate and it's fine. But they, it was Ali who produced our album. He yeah. kind of said, like, just, like, word of advice when you go over there. He was like, don't don't try all, like, the sarcastic, like, piss-taking that you do because they just won't get, get it. it. And, like, and, you know, it'll go again. And, you know, he didn't say it that in as many words, but he was kind of implying, like, that won't really it won't hit watch. the spot yeah. over there. And he was kind of maybe being a little bit careerist, like a little bit like, you know, maybe just, you know, think about, like, Playing the game over there a bit, like maybe I'm projecting a little bit because he didn't say those words, but no, that but kind that, of that felt like, kind like of what he meant. was saying, yeah. yeah. And uh, and you know I love Ali, Ali's amazing, like, but that's kind of what he said, and and we just fucking doubled down on it, you know, uh, just completely took the piss, uh, and just yeah, just did not acknowledge that. We were grateful to be in America until, but then we'd pull it back and say that we were, and then we'd like, you know. How did it go down? They love it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's insulting <laughs> to Americans to say that they're not capable of getting sarcasm and, and like dry humor. You well, know they what love I mean? British humor. Yeah, exactly.
1: The like, amount of American actors that I know that fucking just have a diet of
0: British comedies, that's yeah, all they want. Exa- yeah. I mean, I guess this is like, though, again, this is like, you know college towns and the coasts, like, you know, liberal cities that are, you know, maybe their culture extends to kind of, like, British sitcoms and stuff. So maybe that, you know, maybe, like, maybe if we hit, like, you know, we were, we were going to do some support slots with quite a big band and, um, you know, it would have been hitting, like, middle, you know, like 10,000 seat as in non... in, yeah. in normal, normal towns and, uh, like... Fuck knows how. Yeah, i act in front of a stadium of middle American fans would have gone down. <laughs> but you know, um, that obviously that's not happening. But for the time being, people are buying tickets to our show because they get what we're about. Yeah. We're not being. I mean, I guess apart from Jimmy Fallon, we're not really being exposed to in places that wouldn't already understand what we're about. So I think maybe it's not as big a thing over there at the moment. But I mean, playing Coachella was weird. Was it? Yeah, I mean, why? Well, just because it's kind of like a sort of like influencer haven, isn't it? And again, it was like, you know, like, you know, me, you know, it's like K pop bands and Megan the Stallion and Billie Eilish and, you know, Rena Sawyama and, uh, and loads of other stuff, but, you know, major pop acts and then us <laughs> fucking about. <laughs> and it was so stupid. It was just really silly, but yeah, you know, we only had half an hour sat there, so it was just like, yeah, prancing around. Just I don't know. I don't really know what's going on. I'm just kind of enjoying it. I
1: think you should just carry on enjoying it, yeah. James. This has been brilliant. I feel we've got so much more to talk about. Maybe we should do this again in a year and see where we're all at in a year's time. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: See if the venues are smaller or bigger <laughs> in America. <laughs>
1: This has been brilliant. Thanks so yeah. much, man.
0: No, cheers, Craig. Really Enjoy enjoyed
1: that. your Glastonbury.
0: Yeah, see, and you nice there. see you there. Yeah,
1: class. Nice one, mate. And another episode is done. What did I tell you? You know how I've always said about this podcast over the years? It's about sitting down and getting to know somebody and just seeing what clicks sometimes things fly better than others and I think this is a true representation of certainly what we set out to do is get to know somebody get to know somebody and you know what maybe it'll click and you know This really did. It really did. Um, I met up with James and met his lovely wife and friends at Glastonbury and his friend, fellow musician, Katie J. Pearson, who I saw on the park stage. She's brilliant. Go check out Katie J. Pearson's music. Uh, I I believe I'm right in saying she's a Bristol-based musician. Anyway, doesn't matter where she's from. She's fantastic. Um, And, yeah, we we all had... Uh, fantastic first Glastonbury so I think we'll probably just go back there next year and do it all again Yard Act are on tour now, they've been supporting Jack White and Foles, incredible bands, Um, go check them out Um, myself and past guest John Sim will be in Brighton seeing Yard Act in November, so if you're there come say hello but yeah, just. Yeah, check them out if you can live. They are something else. James's energy, the band's energy. Just. Uh, yeah. They're not taking any prisoners. I love it. So, what we're going to do next week? I don't know. I really don't know because I haven't recorded it yet. Um, I'm busy filming this new series, but. I'm going to get on it. We will have something for next week. I will not let you down. Do not panic. Pass this episode over to other people who may not know Yard Act, may not know James, may not know the podcast. Maybe they'll like it. We'll be back with you next week. I don't know what it will be. We'll be back. Right, I'm going to go to bed because I'm shattered. Thank you so much for downloading and subscribing and you know it means a lot you know where we are, we're on the socials Twitter, Facebook Instagram, I don't even need to say that anymore do I? Do I? You know where we are um, hit us up with messages if you enjoyed it do let us know right, um, i want to go for a bit of a soak and a bath a bit of a soak and a bath no, just a soak and then straight to bed until next week, I've been Craig Parkinson He's been producer Griff, and this has been the Two Shot Podcast. You take care. The Two Shot Podcast was presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. The remix of our theme tune is by Stolen Valor. Cheers.